This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Towards the end of my years living in Montana, I realized one of my lifelong dreams and that is to fish Nelson Spring Creek in Paradise Valley, south of Livingston, Montana. A good friend who worked for the Nelsons for years got me on for free instead of the $75 rod fee. Uh, Maybe it didn't hurt that I had uh, worked a couple days for uh, the the, the Nelsons, Edwin and Helen, back in the day uh, when they were still living, and and uh, had some connections with the Nelson family. I need family. to stay close to you because you yeah. have all these connections. Oh, man. Well, you know. I'm a you, hangers-on. Hey, when you live in one area for a couple decades, you know what that's like. But uh, fishing that limestone creek, uh, that spring creek, is is really to a fly fisher what playing 18 holes at Augusta is to a golfer. I mean, it is, uh, it's an incredible experience. And I remember even the drive in there, riding down the, driving down the flat on Nelson Spring Creek Ranch. It has a spectacular view. In fact, it was, uh, it was early in May, and uh, the foothills of the Gallatin Range, which I could see to the west uh, across the northern tip of Paradise Valley, were uh, just breaking out in green. And then as I looked to the southwest, I could see the snow-covered peaks of the Gallatin Range, and and even a few peaks which lie inside Yellowstone National Park. And then as I look to the southeast, I could see Chico Peak and Emigrant Peak and the Absorkey Range. Stop, stop. Oh, man. man, I mean, this is like, yeah. you're lying to me. This can't <laughs> oh, be true. Oh, man, it was just incredible. And, and I hadn't even gotten down to uh, uh, the river bottom, but I, I eventually did. And uh, uh, the really. The river bottom is Yellowstone yeah, River. Yeah, Yellowstone River. Uh, really, the Spring Creek is only a couple of hundred yards uh, from the river, and yet I felt like I was fishing in a different world. Wow. And that's what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about fly fishing spring creeks. Uh, what is a spring creek? How is it different from other types of rivers and streams? And uh, what does it take to fish those well? So for starters, Dave, let's talk about what is a spring creek? We should begin by saying, some of you are saying, seriously, you don't know what a Spring Creek is? If you're Pennsylvania or Wisconsin, sometimes that's all you've ever fished, right? right? Or Spring Creeks. Mm -hmm. People like us who fished in the big freestone rivers in the West, when we fished Spring Creeks, it was a shock. Yeah. And, but I think just on a major, just to think about the big picture, there are really three types of rivers. And one is the freestone river and that's, yeah, which means what? It basically its watershed is on the surface of the land and subject to flood, and so the stones on the bottom of the river are free to roll around, yeah. hence freestone. Yeah. And so you have wildly swinging temperatures, wildly swinging flows. You know, in the spring the rivers blow out, yeah. and the rivers are mm-hmm. uh, the, excuse me, the runs are changing, the pools are changing, and obviously. Oh, yeah. What's the most undammed river in the world? Is that Yellowstone right, River? Right, right. You know, and so that changes. That Well, we'll talk about that category Yeah, that'll next. change it. That's yeah. actually the tailwater. Right. Yeah, that's the second uh, uh, major kind of uh, river, the tailwater. And here the major watershed, in other words, where, where the water comes from, is a lake. And it comes from under a dam. Now, these behave a lot like spring creeks. And so we'll, we'll save some of our discussion for just a moment. But... 
But one thing that's, that I think is unique to tailwater fisheries is that the water is sometimes just a bit off color, and that can actually help with the fishing. Uh, so I, I think of the Owyhee River in eastern Oregon. Yep. Yeah, not far from where my uh, in-laws live for uh, several decades. And that was often just a little bit off color. It actually helped when you'd fish it because uh, uh, th those fish couldn't see you quite as readily. Uh, the Missouri is like that below some of the dams. Remember, Wasn't Willow fall? Creek a little bit like that? Yeah, that comes yeah, out of the that's a tailwater. Harrison exactly. Reservoir. Yep. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and even the lower Madison in the Bear Trap, I mean, it, it does rush down through a canyon, but it's, it's coming out of Venice Lake, and so that's a, uh, really that's kind of a tailwater fishery as well. Okay, so you've got the Freestone River, uh, you, you've got the tailwater, and then the Spring Creek. Spring Creeks, and with Spring Creeks, uh, their major watershed is underground, and uh, they are in areas where there's typically limestone. Uh, when the water flows out from underground, see at the base of a mountain, you have a Spring Creek. Yeah. And, what makes them, I think, really hard to fish is that they typically are uniform in temperature, somewhere mm -hmm. between 53, 54, and 55 degrees at the springhead. And then they're typically also uniform, uniform in flow, so you don't get those yeah. wildly swinging... Right. Um, and we'll talk about why that makes it difficult. In the yeah, moment. wildly that's, swinging that's flows point. in the river. Yeah. And, and you know, for us, it's the streams that we fish in the Driftless. Right, okay? yeah. And the Driftless refers to um, the fact that, you know, when they were not glaciated like right. the rest of... there was no uh, glacial drift. No glacial drift, around, right, exactly. So it didn't flatten out those, uh, kind of those steep uh, valleys and those So there's gills. some really beautiful cuts there, cut, not cutthroat, but right. cuts in the rock. Yeah. And it, it's such a gorgeous area. It is. But that's where there's tons yeah. of spring creeks. So southwest Wisconsin. Southeastern Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota, yeah. northeastern right. Iowa. Yeah. So some beautiful spring mm -hmm. creeks. I've heard, didn't we have somebody say and post on our site there's some in northwest Missouri? Yeah, uh-huh. So I I'm sure so. occasionally, right. I'm sure they're pocketed, you know, every so often you'll have exactly. spring creeks throughout the country. And but. then in the west, uh, there in Paradise Valley, you've got the big three, Nelsons, Armstrongs, Depews, and they're, those streams are notorious enough. They charge a rod fee, uh, and you, know, you, know, you have to decide if you want to pay that, but it can be worth it. But there's a lot of other spring creeks right where I lived in the northern part of the Gallatin Valley, uh, on the East Gallatin, uh, there were some uh, Benhart and uh, over on Molesnik's ranch. They, uh, uh, they, they lease that out. You can go fish that for a, a nominal uh, rod fee. Uh, a lot of spring creeks around like that. And, and like you said, Dave, if, if you're fishing in uh, the Driftless area, if you're fishing in the Midwest, fishing in Pennsylvania, chances are a lot of what you're fishing uh, they are spring creeks. So what we want to do is we simply want to make four observations about uh, fly fishing in spring creeks. And I think this will help uh, our, our listeners understand kind of what you're up against, what the challenges are, what you have to do to be successful. So four observations. Uh, Dave, what's number one? First is that spring creeks are clear, so you don't have the snow runoff. It's not that snow does not run off into these creeks, but they're, they don't get bloated and then real right. thin again because of the lack of snow. Or And so again, back to the uniform flow. So one thing in terms of fly fishing is that you have to do more stalking, 
uh, more crawling up to the runs or the pools, yeah. really crawling on your hands and knees. I think that's the first thing. You can't yeah. just like saunter up to a run and start casting. I've seen so many fly fishers in the driftless. <laughs> Me. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. <clears throat> but, you know, when you're yeah. watching somebody, they're just standing there oh, as if yeah. they're fishing the Yellowstone yep. mm-hmm. and trying to cast up 30, 40 feet. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, yeah. and you never see them catching fish. I've never seen somebody like that catching fish no. because, it, one, they've scared the fish. Right. And, you, and so you have to really, your arms, your elbows, and your knees are going to get dirty if you're mm-hmm. fishing small spring creeks. The other yep. thing is you really have to avoid false casts. And I, having really learned how to fly fish in Montana and the West and Colorado, I realized how lazy um, and sloppy that I had, oh, yeah. had become. And so when I first started fishing those spring creeks in the Driftless, I was, I was like perplexed. And you, one of the one of the mistakes is is this idea of this false casting, and because the stream is so clear, often that false cast will actually scare the fish. Yep. And um, and it's just you do so more so that more so than a, in a freestone river where the swift current or the depth of the fish lies will limit a fish's visibility. Yeah, absolutely. I remember on Nelson's Spring Creek, a couple times I fished that, I, I felt like I was watching fish through a glass display case. Ah, that's a good, I mean, the, the that's water a good is image. just crystal clear and, and it's usually you know smooth. Uh, there, there were a couple places where there were riffles. Actually, that's where I raced to when I got there on the, on the, 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 the creek. I wanted to make sure I had a little bit of, of cover, but yeah, the clarity of Spring Creeks does make it uh, challenging. How did you do that day? You know, I actually did, a couple times I did pretty well when the, the hatches uh, really started to come off. Uh, I actually had a couple of waves of, uh, yeah, really, really good fishing, but but it was challenging. I, I, I remember looking at where even my friend was going to fish, and it's like, man, that's just so smooth and glassy, and there's... It's like there's this one little seam, this one little line moving through it. And I thought, there's no way you're going to catch any fish. But he did. And I remember the first time I fished at that very end of the day, I had caught like seven fish. And I actually spotted a rising fish in this really slick, glassy stuff. And I, I actually made a good cast and, and got the fly right where the, the trout was. I actually caught like an 18-inch rainbow. Wow. Uh, but I tell you what, it was challenging just because of that clarity. Now, the other thing that you face is, here's a second observation, there is plenty of food and it comes at the same rate year round. So uh, think about it, trout are gonna be more selective. I mean, if they miss your fly, there are dozens of other options from which to choose. Where if you're on a big freestone river, uh, th- those trout, uh, they're probably not going to see the volume of food come by at such a uniform rate. So I, I think they're more used to, uh, you know, darting out and grabbing something like, hey, there's the meal, get it now. Uh, or in a spring creek, it's like, hey, no, no big deal if, if a trout misses that one or doesn't like the look of it. You know, there's 80 more choices coming uh, you know, right away. Gary LaFontaine, who wrote the book, The Challenge of the Trout, uh, or challenge of the trout, yeah. you know. I think what was that public? Was that published in the seventies? Yeah, it was. You know, he says that on a freestone stream, you know, a general imitation fools trout. It That's fools a lot of trout. Yeah, but but you know, in spring creeks, 
the trout will get locked into a particular size or a pattern more readily. That's true. And what I've found is you'll use the same or similar fly patterns. It's not like you have to get all new flies if you're moving from a, a free stone to a, a spring creek. I mean, a parachute Adams is a parachute Adams is a parachute Adams. But size is probably mo most important. And what I've found is you tend to use smaller flies on the spring creeks, at least in the west, than you do on the freestone rivers. Do you have to refine your tackle? You have a little bit lighter tackle? Yeah, you, you really do. It's not I like mean you're the, fishing the Missouri and you can slap down a 15-pound oh, test tippet. Yep, the lighter line that you can use, uh, the, the better. And, and that makes it challenging, and it means your, your tippet sizes, too, are going to be uh, pretty small, which means that, that uh, you know, fewer pound tests. So you got to be careful when you set the hook not to, uh, not to snap it off. It, it, it is a finer fishing experience. You have to use finer tackle. Another observation is that often the brush and the trees lining the banks oh, are right yeah. on top of the river because there's no, quote, high water area yeah. created by the flooding that you get in a freestone uh, river in the spring. And so you're always fishing tight quarters. I remember fishing this small spring creek in Iron River, um, Mont uh, not Iron River, Montana, Iron River, uh, Michigan, Michigan yeah. yeah, in the UP. And I remember because I thought I was going to die that day because I got downstream. I was fishing um, in really tight quarters where I had trees were right against mm. the banks and you couldn't even get out. It, the brush was so thick. So the only way to go up river was to go stay in the river and it was almost impossible to catch anything. I only yeah, caught wow. one, and it was right as I approached. There was mm -hmm. some access point, and I cast from probably 30 feet. So I was not even on top of the river. Wow. I was back about 10, 15 feet off the mm -hmm. bank and cast into this little run and caught the first fish and the only fish uh -huh. uh, of the day. But you're always fighting brush and trees, and that's the one thing about fishing in the West. Yeah. You know, you get you get complacent mm -hmm. or lazy yep. or it's the good life. You can sling as far as you want to sling. That's and true. You yeah. just don't, you don't have that back cast problem. Remember Gary Borger saying that when we, when we interviewed him and we, he talked a little bit about spring creeks in Wisconsin and we said, what's the, the biggest adjustment that a fly fisher from the West has to make? And he said, trees. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> it's yeah. Or brush. Right. Yep. Exactly. It's the same and that's thing. kind of back to the whole false cast thing. Mm -hmm. Um, he, I remember him also talking about the bow an arrow uh, oh, cast yeah. where you you hold your hook these are for really tight um, casts into small yeah. places but you hold you hold it in the bend yeah at the bend so. of your hook and you just kind of bend the tip you shoot it out mm -hmm. into this hole now that that's like precision yeah fly it really fishing. is it i mean really that's a whole is. other level of skill no, that's so true. and spring creeks basically demand that yeah they do well, here's a fourth and final observation, and that is that the flow in a spring creek is often gentler. I've already alluded to this. The riffles aren't as long and pronounced, so you have slow, tricky currents, and that makes presentation even more critical. Personally, I love fishing riffles, you know, floating my fly down riffles. They're, they're so forgiving, and, and the trout have to be quick, and, and just the way that the water's flowing, it... it uh, 
you know, it makes the fly. I mean, they, they just don't get the same kind of look at it. Yeah. But I, when I fish Nelson Springery, I, I said this already, but I would see they limit it to a certain number of rods per day. And I can't remember if it's four, I think it's six. But I remember when my friend and I got there, uh, I, I headed right to the upper end where uh, the, the creek comes into their property. And, and there's a couple really nice riffles. And that, that's where I camped out most of the day because, uh, hey, like, this is what I'm familiar with. And it wasn't until the end when I, I mentioned that, that fish a few moments ago that I caught, that 18-inch rainbow, where I, I saw this rising fish and I thought, okay, if this is going to be a true Spring Creek experience, I, I've got a fish in the, the, the kind of water that Spring Creeks are known for. And, and I, I just remember how much harder I concentrated. It, it's what you already said, Dave, but how much harder I had to work. You know, my cast had to be a lot more precise uh, because that's the way it is. I think you have to be more patient. Oh, you do. I think do. you just simply can't walk up to a run and and sling. No, it's, no, it's you just, can't. You have to, and I think identifying where the trout are actually lying. Now, sometimes you can see them because it's so clear. Right. But sometimes the lies are not, to me, as as simple and as clear. No, no, they're as they not. As they are where you fish in the Freestone River. It's true. You're right. I wish I were a better fly fisher. I'd catch more fish out of the spring creeks. But I have learned through the years, it's like a discipline, right? It is. Uh -huh. it, I, I tell you, fishing, fly fishing spring creeks, after fishing and growing up in the West and sp spending all my learning years in the West, really mm -hmm. made me a better fly fisher. It's so true. Times 10. Yep. I agree. Whatever level I've achieved, which is not very high. Was not very right. high, which is probably not times ten. No, no. <laughs> no. But uh, I tell you, it's, it's been great, and as yeah. frustrating as it has been to make that jump in terms of the learning curve, I'm just grateful for it. Yeah. So I love fly fishing Spring Creeks, and I hope you and I can get out in the next couple of weeks. I do too, and I hope that helps our listeners. Again, when you're out uh, getting out in the water, make sure that you know is is this a is this a freestone river? Is this a tailwater fishery? Or is this a spring creek? And, and then you make the adjustments accordingly. And if it's a spring creek, hopefully what we've talked about today will help. Well, it's time now for great stuff from our listeners. And here's something that Dave's nephew, Steve Tillman, posted recently in our podcast on their differences between native and wild trout. Okay, I just have to brag about yeah, Steve. Yeah, do that. Uh, he and I have fly fished together, just went out this last summer i think late summer and just had a terrific day on the blue river uh west of madison and steven is a um well he's getting his graduate degree in environmental science at the at university of illinois and um so he posted something on our i think our was our episode on uh, yeah but the native, differences between yeah, 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 native yeah. and wild trout yeah, he just yeah. Said native and wild trout well th this is what he wrote he said native trout are fascinating and it's amazing just how much diversity there is when you start reading about the dozens and dozens of varieties and subspecies out there. Yeah, I, I'm just going to jump in and make a comment on that. I, I know a young guy, uh, Sammy Hogue, uh, who uh, is a fishing guide in, in Colorado, and, and he and his dad uh, are kind of out there all the time trying to catch a different species or subspecies it's part of, of their of, mission of in life yeah yeah, yeah, it's yeah it really is so 
your, your nephew is right. <laughs> there are dozens, dozens of varieties and subspecies. He goes on to say, many native trout have ended up restricted to some pretty isolated waters. And I think that doing a bit of research and going out of your way to catch them has an element of treasure hunting to it that is really cool. But you guys are right, natives bring up some interesting ethical questions too. Managing for browns and rainbows or for natives is definitely one. On one occasion, I was actually convinced by a fisheries biologist not to fish a certain creek because the specific native subspecies that live there is threatened and would be better off not being caught. I avoided the place, but I confess that it hurt <laughs> me a bit to do so. Yeah. Seems like fishing ethics can get a bit tricky sometimes. And that's well, I so admire true. him for not going there. Oh, I do. Do you know what the species was? I think it may have been the golden trout. Oh, some yeah. golden trout. Wow. There's some golden trout in, uh, I think it was when Stephen was living in California. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I think he's dead on. I and do. I think uh, it's important. The fishing ethics, that's a whole other topic. I know, I know. We'll have to, we'll have to get back to that sometime. Yeah, a lot of great. things there. Well, that'll do it for today. Do you have any insights about fly fishing spring creeks that you'd like to share? Perhaps something from your experience. Go to twoguysinariver.com and comment on this podcast link. What can you share that might help us get a better handle on fishing spring creeks? Actually, what can you share that will help Dave uh, get a better handle on <laughs> fishing true, spring creeks? That is so creeks? true. I'm looking for all the help no, I, I can get. I need it as much as you Absolutely. do, buddy. Hey, you can find Two Guys in a River pretty much everywhere. On, it's everywhere, it's isn't it? everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, Stitcher. And of course, you can visit our website, Two Guys in a River. By the way, we do publish a new episode and one new article each week. Usually the episode is released on Monday, Monday morning, and the article typically comes out on Wednesday. There are several ways to listen to the podcast. One is simply clicking on a link and opening up a browser on the podcast article on our website. Another is to head to iTunes or Stitcher and listen to the podcast. All the episodes are listed there. Or you can download any uh, podcast app on your smartphone, search for Two Guys in a River and subscribe. You'll be notified each week of each new episode. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of Spring Creek fly fishing. Mm -hmm.